You should see our excitement when we realize there's a new podcast review. We both do little happy dances. Shout out to Osh731 for leaving us a review. They said, hooked. Since episode one, I've been hooked on the knowledge from Hannah and Morgan. I've always wanted to branch into solo practice as a dietitian, and their episodes provide me with the tools and knowledge to start taking that leap. Can't wait for more. If you're also loving the podcast, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, podcast fam. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be chatting about one of my favorite things in the world intuitive budgeting. But first, I have a question for Morgan and she has no idea what I'm going to ask her. I love surprise questions. Bring it on. Okay. Well, first of all, let's tell the people about your new mic. I have a new microphone. We have matching microphones now. It feels so weird to not lean in to talk into the microphone, but I'm pretty sure if I did that, y'all would absolutely hate me from the way that it sounds. And I- It'd be very staticky, but I'm so excited to edit the podcast with consistent sound from the both of us. Yay. We both have the blue Yeti mic. I think that's what it's called. We'll link it in the show notes. It's an awesome, solid mic. It's an investment, but it has good sound quality. We think so far. So far. It was a Christmas gift. That's why I have a new mic now. Yay, Christmas. It was the one of the number one things on my Christmas list. And here we are. Santa delivered. Santa delivered. It will not be traveling with me, unfortunately, because this thing is heavy as fuck. Hey, I brought mine to Mexico City when we went. Yeah. And Costa Rica. I'm just going to use my other mic to travel with. It's a lot smaller. I also broke my first Yeti in Mexico City. So true. That's on me. Anyway, just wanted to announce that to see if you guys notice a difference slash Morgan super excited to record today with her new mic because we love equipment. Just nerding out over here. Nerding out. Woo! But my question. Okay, I heard this on a podcast, the Being Boss podcast, which I love. Have you ever listened? I've listened to a handful of episodes at your recommendation. Okay, cool. Um, I listened to Being Boss since they started in like 2015. So I'm a solid groupie over there. And they interviewed Danitha Doe, who is a financial expert. She's awesome. And she was talking about the question of, if you were given $300,000 tomorrow for the next year, and you can't invest it, you can't pay off debt, what would you do creatively? How would you spend your day? That's a big question. Does this mean I'm not working either? Yep. You don't have to fucking work. You just got gave, given $300,000. Oh, I pieced the frick out of Texas. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I could 
if I can't invest it, everything's already paid off. Well, I'd pay off my rent for a year. No, 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 no. no. But like, I, I have like that's my one. That's my my standing expense. So I'm gonna get rid of rent, and then whatever's okay. left over, I will. Okay, okay, and, okay. And travel, and travel forever. Travel, well, not forever. Well, forever, but until my money runs out. That's and I would bring other people with me. Yeah, I think most of it would be travel, which should not be a surprising answer. That's and what I, would you do? What would you do in Europe? Because you're not going to, I mean, you can work if you want to, but what would you creatively do? Well, I would definitely work. I would go insane if I didn't work. I love working. So I would definitely still work. There would be so much less pressure to work. My creativity would thrive if I didn't have to worry about finances. Just knowing that I wouldn't have to worry about that would make me more creative. And I think what that creativity would go towards is creating vlogs. I'd love to be a vlogger, like a day in my life. I did this for a while. You they did. Like, you did a whole month. It was awesome. Yeah, I did 19 Almost. a month. <laughs> Classic seven. Almost a whole month. I, yeah, I think I'd put together some cool videos. I think I, there's, I have a whole TikTok collections favorited of TikTok ideas and design ideas and business ideas that I think I would just bring all that kind of stuff to life. That's like been on the back burner for a bit. Love it. I love that you mentioned the pressure would be off, which I think is the point of the exercise is if you didn't have to worry about making money, how would you spend your day? Going to coffee shops, meeting new people, eating really good food in different places around the world. And similar to last week, last week's episode, I'd be the ultimate hell yes woman. I love that the things you are naming, you can do without $300,000 as well. And you do. Correct. It would just be a hell of a lot better if I didn't <laughs> rely on bringing in my own income. You wouldn't have to be scared to look at your bank account. Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. But first, <laughs> putting the question back on you. So creatively, it, it's hard. I've said on the podcast before, I don't consider myself a creative person. I don't think that's actually true. I'm just not visually creative, but my brain is really creative and I'm creative with my words. So I think I would, I would just like space. I would just want to exist to see what comes up that I even want to do because I'm so in a grind all the time, which I'm working on. If you listen to our podcast episode last week, my word of the year is space. I need the space to even think about how I want to spend my day. But the first thing that comes to mind is going on a long backpacking trip to just go through the wilderness, be in nature and be inspired in that. So I think that would be my day is just being outside. Would that be your post-grad trip or would that be your sabbatical? That would be neither. That would be someone just gave me 300,000 fucking dollars and I'm going to drop everything right now. Actually, let me back it up. I would figure out how to pay my leadership team more money so they can do my Ah, role. We said no business. Oh, fuck. Okay. You're right. You're right. Okay. I'm going back to my backpack. Hard question. It's really hard. I would want to spend my time outside doing all of the things I love. Skiing, hiking, rock climbing, 
I would want to climb more big mountains. I would want to learn more about mountaineering and survival. I want to be near some water. There's no water in Colorado. That's the only downfall out here. Would be a great way to spend your time. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if I lived in a van, I could live off $300,000 probably for like five years. You could. You should put some of that $300,000 towards a a sick ass van. Hopefully that'll be in the works this year. That wasn't in your personal goals on last week's episode. I know. (laughs) Do we need to add a little little revision there? Yeah. Let's add a mini-sode. Hannah's going to get a van. (laughs) Anyway, that's my answer. Are you ready to get to the episode? Let's do it. Morgan, we're talking about budgeting today. Intuitive budgeting. I like the phrase intuitive budgeting. What do you like about it? That it's intuitive. Yay. We love the word intuitive. What does intuitive mean to you? Just the word intuitive. Intuitive, trusting my gut reaction. Hmm. What does it mean to you? If I can spitball in this moment, I would say intuitive means being connected mind and body with decisions I make. Sounds about right. Definitely Mm -hmm. relate to that. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you feel about budgeting in general? Well, first things first, I will just like to name my privilege that I currently hold, but held a lot more growing up and when I was in my early 20s, that I have never had to budget. I have tried to budget before because I thought that was the adult thing that I should be doing. And it very much ended up like a restrict binge cycle of eating where, mm. where I restricted myself so much that I lasted about two days following said budget. And then I like blew a couple hundred dollars the next day at Target. And I felt awful. I was like, and, and I had the, I had the shame base, like. I can't believe you did that. Look at you. You have no willpower. The same fucking mindset that comes up with dieting. I hate it. I hate budgeting, which is why I'm excited we're talking about intuitive budgeting because I feel like this is much more up my alley. Currently with my money, I feel a little bit like a fraud talking about this because we're talking about budgeting. And while I technically have a very nice outline of guidelines on my spending, I also haven't looked at my bank account in over 25 days. <gasps> I, I know I'm really, I'm, I'm going to be anxious the rest of this episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> go look at my bank account after this. But truthfully, I, to summarize it is avoid it. I am avoidant of budgeting. I don't like looking at my money because whenever I look, I, I, I just still associate money sometimes with restriction. And especially now in this phase of entrepreneurship where I don't have a consistent income coming in, it's a lot harder to look at money. And so I very much out of sight, out of mind it, which is also not good because it also makes me anxious, for instance. I literally went to go buy a coffee this morning and I was like, is this going to be declined? 
I know it's not. I know I'm not that close to my limit, but it's been so long since I've looked at <laughs> my credit card statement that I truthfully didn't know for a minute. I was like, I don't know. Thanks for being honest and sharing all of that. I feel sometimes there's a pressure of we have to have it all together, everything systemized, no issues with budgeting. We fucking got this. We're going to tell the people how to do it. But the reality is, well, one, money's complicated. And two, budgeting absolutely can trigger the binge restrict cycle. I totally relate to what you were saying. And intuitive budgeting is different, which is like, duh, we'll talk about it. How do you feel about budgeting? I love intuitive budgeting. I love that money can be made to take care of yourself and to spend and be responsible with and have fun with. And it allows you for opportunities in life. Okay. Before we get too deep, can you define what intuitive budgeting is? Yes. Because I'm pretty sure this is a phrase. Did we make this phrase up? Did you make this phrase up? I don't think I made it. I think people have talked about it. I don't know if anybody in our space is talking about intuitive budgeting, but when I think about intuitive budgeting, I kind of had to come up with a definition for it because to me, it's just a feeling kind of feeling like I understand my money, know my money, know where it's going. But if I had to kind of make it more actionable of what it looks like, it's at its core, mindful spending, values-based decisions with my money. And looking at retroactive data to see how I spend and then setting intentions with that information, which is a privilege in the least. Because I know people listening from all different walks of life, different stages of business, and it's a luxury, quote unquote, to be able to do intuitive budgeting because you know you have a steady stream of income and you're more financially stable. That's my experience, at least. However, there are parts of intuitive budgeting that have to be applicable to everybody. And so I'm excited to talk about the pieces and then people can apply it to what feels good to them. Obviously, we're in the weight inclusive space. So intuitive budgeting sounds a lot like intuitive eating. And so, you know, everything's a spectrum. So when I think of you have someone who's dieting, you have an intuitive eater, and then you have the gray space in between. Mm. You have someone who is strictly budgeting, counting every penny. You have an intuitive budgeter. What happens in the gray area? I would say someone who is in the the budgeting, very intense, the restrictive space. An example of that could be people who are doing the fire movement. Have you heard of this? No. What's this? Okay. The fire movement is financially independent, retire early. Oh, this, I have heard of that. Yes. So for those who haven't, and we can do a whole episode on this, the FIRE movement started really in the engineering space. So a bunch of old white dudes who hate their job, who are high in earners, and who want to be able to retire early. So basically, they would cut their six-figure, multiple six-figure salary and invest a shit ton of it, like 70% of it, and try to live on 30% of it. So people living on you know, very minimal as much as they can, so much so that they're counting money spent on groceries to the extent of how much a cup of rice costs them. And so it's a very intense, very restrictive, a bit gritty. 
in a misapplied way of let me hurry up and arrive. Let me live very frugally, very frugally, but like next level frugal for the next 10 years so I can retire when I'm 40. But you miss out on 10 years of your life then. Right. And nothing's guaranteed. So, and this is the issue with it. And again, I want to hold space for there are people who live on salaries that people in the fire movement live on when they don't have to. And that is totally valid and people can do it and have to do it. But to do this intense budgeting to arrive somewhere is not sustainable. It's just like a diet, right? And so I'd say that's one example of the most rigid type of budgeter. Okay. If you want an example, you can go to mrmoneymustache.com. I saw him at Whole Foods once. He lives in Longmont. I don't know who that is and I don't know where Longmont is. Amazing. Longmont's in Colorado. It's a bit <laughs> north. And Mr. Money Mustache is a famous fire blogger. Gotcha. Did you say hi to him? No. I, I just saw him I'm from a distance. I'm like, is that Mr. Money Mustache? And it was. So I would say to answer your question about people in the middle, I think the people in the middle are the curious, explorative sponges Hmm. who are like, I don't want to live like this. And money gives me anxiety and I don't want to live on the defense, which is what I'm doing. I want to move more towards the offense and actually see what's happening in real time, collect data, and then make decisions on that which is kind of the pathway to intuitive budgeting is the more information you have about what you're spending money on, why, what are your actual fixed expenses? What brings you joy? What are the three things that you really want to blow money on and live relentlessly in that way for where it fits your budget and then keep everything else tight. Cool. You'll find your flow intuitive budgeting. I like that. I also, I I noticed myself as you were talking about that questioning when do i know that i've that i've become an intuitive budgeter and the only frame of reference i have is to ask the same question of how do i know when i become an intuitive eater yep yep <laughs> there's not ever a like final destination yeah yeah it's not it's a process it's a state of being it's do i feel aligned with the decisions i'm making around money do i feel aligned with how i'm spending my money how do i feel in relation to money what stories am i writing about this and am i interacting with it in a way that feels good to me yeah and i think and to add on one more of those that came up for me is if i make a financial decision that i later realize was not in alignment with my values how can I give myself compassion around that and know that I can't go back and like change it? Exactly. But what can I do moving forward? 1000%. Do you have any examples of that with money? I am just, I'm known to make impulsive purchases and some of it's online education. A lot of it's shopping at Target and Madewell. Which that's a little bit easier because I can always go return things at Target and Madewell. So that feels not quite the same. Honestly, I'm I'm such a glass half full, I can find a lesson in everything that I've done type gal that I nothing's immediately coming to mind. Mm. I love that. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. I will say I was talking to, and maybe this is on like the opposite end of it. 
this goes in alignment with being an intuitive person, intuitive eater, intuitive budgeter, gut instinct kind of gal. I was hanging out with my friend Julia yesterday. She was in Houston for a few, for like 10 days. She lives in the Maldives. I've talked about her a lot. And she got married in India this summer in July. And I really regret not going to that wedding. Mm. And the reason I didn't go was because the cheapest plane tickets I could find were about $1,200 round trip. And there's a, there's a part of me that's like, Morgan, like you should have been there. You can, a thousand dollars is, is in the grand scheme of things. Like you could make that up over time. And so that's where I tend to, I, I have more FOMO than anything with that. I agree. I fall more on the, I regret not spending money mm-hmm. than regret spending money. The only thing I can think about that I, I don't feel regretful but I don't like when I spend money in a way of it feels compulsive and mindless. So one example I'm thinking of is going through my day and eating out every meal because I didn't have the space to plan for the week and take care of myself. And so it's more of that of, oh, I really would have preferred having a cooked breakfast, but I got this pastry and I fucking love pastries. Pastries are snacks. They're not breakfast. And so It'll be when I get into a phase of that and I do that for a month and I'm like, oh shit, I'm, I'm living in such a grind that I don't have the time to feed myself food that I want to eat. And again, takeout, fucking awesome, delicious, convenient. I live in a city, so I have access to a lot of good food and it's really expensive if you eat out every meal for a month. Holy shit. That's not in alignment with my values. And so Those are more, it's not a regret of any meal or snack I would have bought out. It's more regret of a different resource, which is time. I wish I would have had the time and the energy to pause, chop up some food, cook for myself and enjoy that nurture. I love that you brought this up because same, I fall into that rut, that pattern frequently and if we can go back to like the check-in of creativity, I know that things in my life feel in alignment whenever I intentionally set aside at least one time out of the week to cook food. I put on a good playlist. I put on my cute little William Sonoma apron. I'm probably on Instagram stories because it's like the one time that I cook during the week. <laughs> <laughs> and that feels creative. Because whenever I'm in this grind, the last thing I want to do is one, decide what I want to eat, have to go to the grocery store, buy the ingredients, come home, cook it, do the dishes. I don't have a dishwasher. I am the dishwasher. And that's, that is just, that is not my favorite task to do. I don't like doing like home tasks. And so I definitely fall into that grind or that, that thought pattern as well of, eating out a lot and then finally hitting a point of being like, what am I doing? Yeah. It doesn't even feel enjoyable anymore. It doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go try this new Thai place. And I talk to the owner and they're awesome. And I really appreciate this meal. The mindfulness piece, it's gone. It's like, I need food in my face. I need to stay up late and do grad school, which again, totally a time and place for that. But when it's a regular occurring pattern, that's not in alignment with with my values or the way I want to live my life. Yeah. I, as you were talking about this, I remembered a TikTok that I saved this week. And this kind of goes along to, I think kind of 
both of our mentalities around this. And it says, it's just like a video of someone driving and it says, everyone thinks I'm delusional, but I have so much faith in the universe to just sort me out that I literally don't worry about a single thing. That's how I feel about money. Mm. I get stressed about it sometimes, but ultimately it comes back to if I just keep doing what I love and what I'm good at, what's meant to happen will happen. Like it will, it will fall into place the way that it needs to. Maybe that is not a good mindset to have. That's my (laughs) mindset that I have. So we're just going to name that. (laughs) We will name that. I think there are parts where that feels freeing and optimistic. And does that help you feel secure and prepared? Nothing really helps me feel secure these days with my finances. So we'll lean on the optimism piece. You're here for the ride. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like we said, there's there's not really any, I don't have it all figured out. That mentality surprisingly provides me with a lot of peace because there's so much of entrepreneurship, solo entrepreneurship that I don't have a ton of control over. And so I, I equate that mindset with releasing some of the things that I don't have control over and be like, all right, universe, you got me. I'm showing up every day. It's not like I'm like sitting on my butt, not doing anything, hoping for like millions of dollars to fall on my lap. Right. Like I am actively creating, I'm actively doing things. I'm actively marketing and networking and doing all of this. And I was like, I just have to keep doing that because entrepreneurship is like the long game. Like it's not going to be an overnight thing. And so I have to trust that like in the moments of like lulls, that the universe is just like preparing me for the next thing. Absolutely. Do you budget personally slash business slash where are you at with both of those things? Great question. For my business, I quote unquote budget by having a percentage of my revenue that is my operating expenses, which is 30%. And that is about the only budgeting that I do, which isn't super solid budgeting because my revenue isn't very stable. My expenses are usually really stable. My expenses are also usually very low because I am a fully remote business and it usually works itself out. That's been pretty consistent. Like I've, I've tracked my expenses in relation to my revenue for the last 12 months and it's averaged out to be about 30%. So that feels good and steady. I love that you're using a percent for overall expenses rather than For this category of software, I have $30 allotted. I think that really feeds into the intuitive piece of I have kind of a range here that makes sense for my business. And maybe sometimes it'll be 32%, maybe it'll be 25%. And just to have that fluidity allows for things to be, I would say, more peaceful. Yeah. No, I I I agree with that. I, that's a that's a word that I would use to describe that too. For personal, I do have more categories. Truthfully, I don't hundred percent know how I set it up this way. I don't know where I got this inspiration from, but this is what felt good to me whenever I made the leap of faith to work for myself full time. Whatever I make in the first half of January. We'll use January as an example because that's what we're going to be in when this episode goes live. Whatever amount that I pay myself in the first half of January is allocated to the second half of January's expenses. So I'm always 
half a month ahead to make sure that I like, quote unquote, have enough. So if I made $2,000 from January 1st to January 15th, that money would go towards the expenses that I have January 16th through January 31st. Also kind of a caveat in there. (laughs) The expenses that I have lumped in for that is actually for the first half of the next month for my fixed expenses. So for rent, Spotify, my internet, my car insurance, for my phone bill, things like that that I know are going to occur. I always make sure that I have money set aside from that. And then whatever is left over, I go through and I uh, like allocate, I say quote unquote budget for food, travel, beauty, clothes, house, health, technology, gifts, miscellaneous, interest, gas, and then other car-related expenses. So those are my categories. Most of them tend to be about the same. Like I've been able to, kind of like what you were saying, where you're able to look at past month's data to see where you usually spend, like or like how much money you spend related to those different categories, is how I allocate. It's really hard to explain this without having like a spreadsheet in front of people. No, I was totally following you. Cool. It's good to just talk it out and explain what we do. Cause obviously this is a podcast. We have to use our voices. Maybe we'll do a workshop on money sometime soon because I'm stoked on it. Yeah. Last thing I'll add, if I have any money left over, so I've like, I've paid off or set aside money for my monthly bills. I've paid off my credit card for all of my variable expenses. I don't use a debit card. I feel like I should throw that in there. I have two credit cards that I use and I alternate between those depending on what I'm purchasing and how many like extra points I get for it. Once that's paid off, if there's any remainder, which it's a 50-50 chance if there is, if there's any remainder, I set aside 10% of that to my emergency fund. My emergency fund is built out, but I like to just keep adding it. I'm at about three months right now. I'd like to get to six months and then I can reevaluate. Um, I set aside 5% for travel, 5% for my car, and then the remainder goes to my credit card. And all of that, all of the like remainder, like the emergency fund, the travel, the car, things like that, go in different buckets in my ally savings account, which is my high yield savings account. Love it. So that's my budgeting in a nutshell. What does your personal and business budgeting look like? So group practice is interesting because I feel like it's only been in the last couple of years where I've really budgeted. So the way that budgeting works for me in my group practice is I do forecasting and projecting based on the number of clinicians we have, the number of client expectations that there are in a week to be seen, our average ticket. And I do calculations for a month, a week, a year, all that stuff. And then I literally write out all of our expenses, how much goes to the clinician. And I look at the numbers as a whole to see after total revenue is brought in and clinicians' paychecks are paid, their benefits are covered. What do I have left to work with while also still being able to pay myself? And so really my financial planners pushed me in the last, well, I should say 2022 and 2023 to do this. And so I'm starting to feel like I understand the numbers better 
I'm always pleasantly surprised. I don't know who trusted me to work with like a multiple hundred thousand dollar budget, but here we are. I feel like I have a really good understanding of the numbers again, just from being super neurotic. And so budgeting feels kind of fun because I can look at how much money we have to spend fun things. I want to plan for the team and us to connect because this work is hard and we really care about company culture. I think about the money we can put aside to potentially maybe buy a building in the future for our practice or invest in something else. And I just do all of this in a Google spreadsheet and it's really just a brain dump for me. And it actually kind of relieves my anxiety a bit because I can just look at everything and say, okay, I can allot this much money for it. Even though I don't have that money to spend yet, I can plan on if everything goes as planned, that that money will be there. Really quick. I remember we've talked about this of like, it's how vastly different we are when it comes to like me avoiding and you being super neurotic with your numbers. It's not that I never believed you because I fully believe that you like crunching numbers, but I saw it in action. I think it was on the plane ride home from Costa Rica. And I like wake up from a nap and Hannah's like furiously writing numbers down on a sheet of paper. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm crunching numbers, Morgan. <laughs> oh my gosh. Literally. I wish I would have done it all in one journal because I would have had fucking hundreds of pages of doing this. It's what I do to relieve my anxiety whenever I'm worried about money, which PS is my own shit. All my businesses are fine and really healthy, but crunching the same numbers of like, if this many clients come through the practice at this rate and get seen, and then this percent goes to cover my team and this goes to our operating expenses. And this is what I can anticipate having. It it is nuts. Don't be like me. It's gotten a lot better recently. I stopped calculating as much, mostly because I think my brain is just burnt out and can tell you what the numbers are before I even write them down. (laughs) So yes, honestly, I kind of wish I had your brain for like one day out of the year where I could just sit down and do that. (sighs) We could do it together. <laughs> we could. We could. Okay. Personal budgeting. Ready, go. So for my personal, it's a little bit different because I look at my spending in real time and retroactively, and I kind of analyze what I'm doing. And so as I'm doing that, I check in with my values. I look at what I spent in the previous year, big expenses that I had. I think about if that's going to happen again. So for example, skiing, very expensive sport. And now I know, cool, I need to allot at least $1,000 a year, if not more, if I want to continue this sport. And so I think about, again, wanting to be outside, having so much fun, work-life balance. That's important to me. So why don't I just break up that $1,000 over the year and budget for it? That's kind of the TLDR. I can talk about personal budgeting all day, but we're going to keep it tight for this episode. So let's tell the people how we look at our budgets and track. So for my business, I use QuickBooks. And whenever I say I use QuickBooks, I mean my bookkeeper uses QuickBooks and sends me a report at the end of each month. (laughs) For my business, I also use QuickBooks. All my businesses. you, You use QuickBooks. You like are in there. Oh, yeah. It's part of my neurotic patterns. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you my like login for QuickBooks. I just like know I have an account that my that's like linked to my bookkeeper's master account. 
I want to do a QuickBooks webinar and like demonstration. I know we did one in our business workshop, which our participants really liked. They loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So business, I use QuickBooks for, for honestly, personal and business. I'm, I love a good Google sheet and I have some really solid formulas built out in my Google sheets for the month of January. I have a tab. This is for personal. I have a tab that says like January, 2022, and it breaks down my like two halves of the month and like what is allocated to each rev- each income for those two halves. And then I have a tab that says January 2022 credit card. And I basically put in like tenfold, which is my favorite coffee shop, tenfold category, food, eating out, the amount. And I do that for all of my expenses. Do you and do I it have- in real time or retroactively? No, retroactively, like once a month. <laughs> Not great. I think that's uh, fine. It's fine until I spend more than I made. And then I'm in a little bit of a pickle, but it is what it is. We're working on it. I'm not beating myself up about it. We are and not. So, there's no judgment, no beating up, just curiosity. Yeah, just curiosity. And so I have formulas set up to where it pulls all of that. It summarizes everything into a nice table. And then the numbers from the table transfer over to that first tab. Very cool. Yeah, I love it. And that's pretty much all I use. You have cooler systems though. So tell us about your system. Uh, okay. I use many systems and then I abandoned systems. So take this for what it's worth. I've used Google Sheets many of times. And I like to do that, especially for business budget. Cause I just type, 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 type and throw things in there. Currently for my personal budgeting, my intuitive budgeting, I really like the app Mint, which is by QuickBooks. It's really tidy and clean and nice. And I also like to use my credit card. I have a Chase Sapphire Reserve and I have a Capital One card. I have a Southwest card. I have an American Express, all for my different businesses and personal. Chase is definitely my favorite in how they have it set up to where they look at your data and they categorize things of how you've been spending money. And you can see how much money you spent in the year. And you can see in a pie chart, the different categories you spent in. So that's been really helpful for me. I love a visual so that I can really see what's going on and reflect on was this year, did I like how I spent money and where did, where were my biggest expenses and were they one-time things? Are they going to be recurring? How can I plan for that? Et cetera. In the past I've used, um, there's an account on Instagram called break your budget. And I really like the Google sheet template she made. And then I've also used YNAB, which is you need a budget in the past. So recommend exploring all these options, seeing what works for your brain. The beauty is everybody's brain is different. And maybe you start with a piece of paper. And that's what we've got for you today, folks. Many more money conversations coming in the future, but we hope you enjoyed our little intro to intuitive budgeting. Thanks so much for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review. We absolutely love those. And share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye.